You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Imagine having Pastor Piers around you, and you want to take a step of faith, and they, and they give all the reasons why you can't do it. Miserable. Let me remind you of something. Throughout the Bible and history, the crowd is usually wrong. And time after time again, even among God's chosen people, sometimes a majority of leaders are wrong. Have you ever met someone who prides themselves on being a no person? They justify it by saying that someone has to be realistic. Someone has to keep the dreamers on the ground. Well, maybe there are some situations where that's true. But in God's kingdom, the impossible is possible, as long as it lines up with God's will. As Pastor Danny will ask in today's message, would you rather be one of the ten who said that Canaan was out of reach, or one of the two who trusted that God could make a way? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Joshua, chapter 13, as he begins his message, Lessons from an Old Giant Killer. Joshua chapter 12 is where we stopped. Now, uh, please bring your Bibles to church, please, and pay attention. And this is, uh, this is a true Bible study. Joshua chapter 12, and I'm going to summarize some of this um, because we don't need to read every single word in some of these passages. For you, verse 9 of chapter 12 lists the kings, and that's really... Uh, what this chapter is pretty much about. Chapter 12 is the list of defeated kings. And some are very noteworthy. For example, if you, if you look at verse 2, Sihon, king of the Amorites. If you look at verse 4, in the territory of Og, king of Bashan, one of the last of the Rephaites. Why does it tell us that? He's one of the last of the Rephaites. Because the Rephaites were giants. When you go back, and I'll just take a quick peek, when you go back to Joshua chapter 2, Rahab tells the spies that he'd come in to spy out the land of promise. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. I mean, you beat those guys to death. And they were amazed. Amos chapter 2, verse 9. Let me just read you that one verse. Amos chapter 2, verse 9. God says about the Amorites, I destroyed the Amorite before them, before Israel. Though he was tall as the cedars and strong as oaks. Sihon and Og. 
were two of those giants, the tallest American I know of, Robert Pershing Wadlow. He died young, won't get into that. But it says he showed no indication of an end to his growth even at the time of his death. He possessed great physical strength until the last year of his life. He was known as Alton Giant. He was also known as the Giant of Illinois. That's the guy you want on the basketball team right there. I mean, when you get it up to the guy that's uh, 13 feet, you go, wow. He's taller than the Illinois basketball guy. And then 19.5 feet, and then 23 feet. But they found not one, but two. 36 feet tall. It says here, almost beyond comprehension or believability was the find of two separate 36-foot human remains uncovered by the Carthaginians between 200 and 600 B.C. Thank you very much for the slide. Now, true Bible study. Here's what you would not necessarily notice in a casual reading of the text. You'd have to really think about it. You'd have to really stop and pause and really check it out to get this, what I'm about to give you. And I'm not saying I'm anything for giving it to you, but I, you pay me to have time to, to do those kind of things, stop and meditate and really study the text. And here's what it says, verse six of chapter 12. Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the Israelites conquered them including Sihon and Og, renowned giant. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave their land of the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh to be their possession because God agreed to let these tribes possess the land on the east side of the Jordan before crossing the Jordan into technically the heart of the land of promise. Why is that significant? Here's why it's significant. What are we studying? What book? Joshua. Sihon and Og were defeated by Moses and that generation, and they were a faithless generation. Let me bring it a little closer to home. You go back to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, not really closer to home, just more clear of what I'm trying to say. Numbers chapter 13, when Moses sent the spies into the land, verse 26, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh. Uh, there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land, and let me just summarize, and it's everything God said it was. But, verse 28, the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. They say the land's everything God said, but there's no way we can have victory there because there are giants there, descendants of Anak, which tells me if Moses 
and the faithless generation conquered kingdoms and kings like Sihon and Og, then the kings and the people on the other side, the west side of the Jordan, were even bigger and more fierce because these spies came back and said, we seem like grasshoppers to them. And you get the idea of that 36-foot skeleton. I mean, these were bad, 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 big, bad dudes. In Numbers chapter 30, where I was just, Numbers chapter 13, where I was just reading, in verse 29, the Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan, and they're saying, these guys, they're just so big and they're so bad, we can't do it. And verse 30, then Caleb silenced the people. I don't know how he did that. Hey, 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 And he, you know, he yells because they're just giving all this bad report, and he gets their attention. He silences the people. Hey, wait a minute. I got something to say. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Then you get to chapter 14. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Oh, why did God bring us out here? And everything's just so terrible, and these giants, and we can't have any blessing, and we came for the blessing, but we can't get it because, and they're just, they make you sick. And he got one lone voice, a man of faith. No, we can do it. Verse 6, chapter 14, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. They're so frustrated. They tore their clothes. Tear their clothes because of all this faithless talk. But even though Joshua here joins in 40-some years earlier with Caleb, the people wouldn't have it. They wouldn't hear it. You want a shocker? The opening of verse 10 of Numbers chapter 14, the whole Israel, the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Here they are speaking words of faith. No, we can do it. No, we can't do it. Yes, we can do it. We talked about stoning them. And as a result of the faithlessness of a whole congregation, Joshua and Caleb had to endure. 40 plus years. Imagine being in that kind of church. Imagine having pastor peers around you and you want to take a step of faith and they, and they give all the reasons why you can't do it. Miserable. Let me remind you of something. Throughout the Bible and history, the crowd is usually wrong. And time after time again, even among God's chosen people, sometimes a majority of leaders are wrong. 
And I'm not talking about my situation. You're thinking, you're talking about your situation. I'm not talking about my situation. I'm just telling you, you just check it out. That's the way it is. And it's difficult to find in biblical history the majority jumping on board and saying, yes, we can do it. You have these lone voices saying, let's go. Let's get them. We have God on our side. Well, we can't do it. Shut up. We can do it. So the next generation has entered the promised land. They won victory after victory. They're a blessed people. That's where we are in our study. I spent those 12 or so minutes reminding us because of where we are today, and that's Joshua chapter 13. After a listing of tremendous victory after victory after victory and a list of these kings that have been defeated now on the west side of the Jordan. And I have to believe some giants that were bigger and badder than Sihon and Og. And the bigger they were, the harder they fell. And notice what God says. God does not mince words. Look at chapter 13. You have to know, I mean, I just love God. Listen to what he says to Joshua. When Joshua was old and well advanced in years, the Lord said to him, you're very old. (laughs) He just don't mince words. He doesn't say, you know, you've matured over the years. He said, dude, you are old and well advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, you're very old and there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. Now, you stop and pause on that one for a minute. And let me tell you, I know, I know what God is not saying to Joshua. Here's what I know Joshua is not hearing from the Lord. It's not what the Lord's saying. You're too old to do it anymore. Pass the baton. You know, in your younger days, you can go out and fight some giants, and God gave you great victory. But have you looked in the mirror lately? You're too old. God's not saying you're too old. He just said you're old. And there's a lot more yet to conquer. Now, how do I know that God's not saying pass the baton? Don't go out to battle anymore. How do I know that? You just look at it in the context. Now, before we look at it in the context, I was reminded of something Pete Fro in our fellowship gave me probably a little over a year ago, gave me a T-shirt. I really, one of my favorite T-shirts. And it says right here, a little thing says, old guys rule. You know, when somebody gives you a T-shirt like that, you go away and start to meditate on it and you think, was that a good thing or a bad thing? Was Was he trying to be encouraging or was he just saying, you're old, dude? I'm like most males, whether we admit it or not. I'm not extremely observant sometimes. My wife and I were at Bush Gardens the other day just walking around. I love to go over there and look at the animals and walk and get exercise. And we, sometimes we're just there for an hour, you know. It take longer to drive over there than it does to walk around, but we'd love to do it. And we're there, and, 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 and we said, I said, look, this trip, here's what we're going to do. We're going to notice things we've never noticed before, and I'm a Bush Gardens expert. And with my wife with me, she begins to say, did you notice that? And I go, I've never noticed that. And it's very humbling when you're with your wife because, you know, she points, she probably pointed out four things 
that day that I had never noticed a bush garden before. And you know what I would never noticed since I had this T-shirt? I never noticed it. Now, I knew it on the front. It said, old guy's rule, but I don't look on the back a whole lot because it's on my back, right? Well, it says larger letters, old guy's rule, but then right underneath that, right underneath that, here's what it says, on permanent vacation. And I don't know if Pete saw that when he bought the shirt. He's a guy, too. He probably didn't notice it. Now, I like the old guy's rule, but on permanent vacation is not biblical. I don't know what your goal is. I don't know what retirement means to you, but I can tell you what it means to God. Retirement is called heaven. And if you believed the American dream lie, is you just want to stack it up, build it up, so that you can take all the trips you want to take and go to the places you never got to go and walk on the beach and look for seashells. What a pitiful, pitiful life. Some 40 years before, it was Caleb who stepped forward. He was the first voice of faith among a faithless people. And then after he spoke up, Joshua said, yeah, yeah, Caleb, that's it. But even though they're joining forces, two voices now of faith, they still couldn't convince the rest of the people. Watch what happens here. Chapter 13, when Joshua was old and well advanced in years, the Lord said to him, you're very old. And there's still very large areas of land to be taken over. And then he starts listing the land that remains. And then chapter 13 lists some of the inheritance that Moses gave to the other tribes. Then you get to chapter 14, and it opens this way. Now, these are the areas the Israelites received as an inheritance in the land of Canaan, past victories. And then you get to verse 6 of chapter 14. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions, convictions of faith. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however... Follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children. You're going to pass something on to your kids because you follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he's kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today. 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. Now, I don't want to stop there for just a minute. I'm not sure that's true on a physical level. I don't know for sure. But I don't believe at 85 you're as strong as you were at 40. But let me tell you something. You can be stronger at 85 by faith than you were at 40. And I think that's what he's talking about. 
I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites, the giants, were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I'll drive them out just as he said. Give me that giant. And then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Now, I love the little note here in the parenthesis in verse 15. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. He was the 36-foot guy. And Caleb went in at 85 years old and cleaned his clock. You want to be a grandkid of Caleb. Any Caleb granddads here? The title was easy. Lessons from an old giant killer. And if you let it go in this ear and out this ear and all you've done is come to a church service, I feel sorry for you. But if you listen for the last few minutes and then become like Caleb, what do you learn from this guy? Perseverance, that's the first thing. 45 years, 45 years, 45 years. 45 years of what? Being around in a bunch of faithless, grumbling people. People that just complained about life and complained about not being able to do it. Ah, we like that, but we can't do it. And why did God do this? And why is this happening? I mean, faithless people. And Joshua and Caleb had to endure that. But 40 plus years of being around, being in that kind of a church. I mean, sit around. I've, I've sat around. It's so miserable. I've sat around at times among fellow pastors. And when we talk about a vision and, and stepping out and maybe a new open door and all the reasons why we can't do it, it makes me sick. Don't tell me all the reasons why we can't do it. If it's God leading us, if it's God leading us, I don't care how big it is. It doesn't matter. Hebrews 10, 36, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. And sometimes you've got to wait for it. Sometimes it's not your fault that you've got to wait for it. That was Caleb. He had to wait. Him and Joshua both, they'd have been in bathing in the, in the, in the streams of the land of promise, eating the grapes, and they'd have been enjoying all that, but they couldn't convince the other leaders. Third John, or second John, that little, little letter in the New Testament, verse 8, listen to it. Watch out that you do not lose what you've worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. The context of that text is continuing to walk in truth practically, doctrinally. Paul wrote to Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. And the context of that is that you might receive the promises of God. You can, you can get discouraged and you can say, well, God just never meant to do it. I mean, Abraham got perplexed. He and Sarah because they went years and years and years and they're beyond physically being able to have children. But God wanted to do a miracle, and he did do a miracle. And you may be going, I've been waiting, I've been praying for this for years and years and years and years. God must not want me to have it. 
How do you know that? Don't give up. You say it would take a miracle. Right on. Have you forgotten the God you serve? You've been listening to The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. Thanks for tuning in as we study the Bible verse by verse together. The book of Joshua is full of relatable people, people who didn't always get it right, people who wrestled to be strong and courageous in the Lord. So if you're ever feeling less than, read the book of Joshua and see God's grace. Just as he gave Joshua the strength to do what needed to be done, he offers you the same today. If you're wrestling in a certain area of your life and would like to be prayed for, we'd love to lift you up to the Lord. So feel free to email us at info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email is info at ccfstpete.church. We're so glad that you took some time today to learn from the living word with us. If you'd like to hear this teaching again, or if you'd like to hear others like it, visit our website at ccfstpete.church. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. Once you're there, just click on sermons and you'll be directed to our YouTube page. And when you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. That's all we have time for in today's message. Join Pastor Danny next time to continue digging deeper into Scripture, right here on The Living Word.